Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. privilege to be in his house, in his service, and in his presence. Don't ever, ever take for granted being in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I don't know about you. I have walked through seasons like Job walked through where I couldn't find the Lord, couldn't feel him. I had a promise in his word that he would never leave me or forsake me. I had confidence in my heart of hearts that he was with me but I couldn't feel him. And that's an uncomfortable place to be, and it's an uncomfortable mile to walk. And so whenever I feel the presence of the Lord, I always want to pause and say thank you because I understand what it's like not to feel his presence. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord never explains those seasons to me. I don't think he explained it to Job. Amen. We just walk... We just walk by faith during those times. You're standing. I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of James chapter 5, and we are going to conclude a series um, that has been going on for quite a while now. And um, I trust that it has been a blessing to you. It has certainly been a blessing to me. Praise God. The book of James chapter 5 and verse 19 and 20, parting words. These are parting words. And uh, I have found in life often that parting words are very, very important, not to take away from the meat of what has already been established, but if you you were alive back in the letter-writing days... (laughs) few of you know what I'm talking about. You're, you're trying to capsulize everything that's been said. And so parting words become important, very important words. So let's look at this today. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Amen. Very, very forthright. I can appreciate, and I truly do mean this, I can appreciate the fact that I've been bathing my heart in these last two verses of Scripture since intensely since last Tuesday. So I can appreciate the fact that you just got to church a few minutes ago You just opened your Bible to James 5, and you just arrived at verse number 19. So I'm not going to try to outrun you today, 
but I just want the Spirit of God to speak to our heart. Amen. I want to I speak to you. My subject this morning is the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. We have a lot of ministries within the church, and I trust that we have the ministry of reconciliation because, because any of us could be subject to needing it. Any of us. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for the, you can be seated and thank you for the sweet, sweet spirit that I felt in this house at the very onset. The book of James now, he's bidding farewell and James kind of expresses in forthright fashion his concern for spiritual restoration to those who... um, the King James Version of the Bible, and that is the Bible that I use, I use a couple of other carefully, a couple of other Bibles in study. But um, it uses the word air from the truth. Another translation I'll talk about and maybe in a moment, um, the New King James Version uses the word wander. And um, this is an ultimate expression of the kind of, of works that that flow from genuine faith and um, I don't want to just spend too much time today trying to recap but I do want us to truly remember that James is writing to the church he's not addressing a group of sinners this is not a street meeting they're in church and the body of Christ so to speak he is writing a letter to the body of Christ and so these two verses form I feel a very fitting conclusion to the book of James because they they capsulize all five chapters. These two verses express James's primary objective in writing his epistle, and that is to confront James is writing a sort of a, a confrontational letter or a letter of confrontation. And he is addressing the church and he is telling them uh, much of what he has said as we have discussed in this study has been about what we say, how we say it, the use of our tongue and that gift and things of that nature. But these two verses uh, primarily uh, underline his whole reason for writing the letter and that is to confront people that confess to be filled with the Holy Ghost but have no works and dead faith. And so he is confronting a dead church, if I could just put it maybe that way. And um, I, don't mean to, I don't mean to brag, but I preach in a few dead churches. <laughs> and it's a mess. It, it, is, it is a hard thing to preach to people who have all the trappings and trimmings, but their heart is dead. There's just a spirit of deadness in the church, and so as already noted, the epistle really does. Uh, it, 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 there is a there's a reaching, there is a pressing, there is a words and terminology that is used to um, awaken the church. There is not, if I could put it this way, necessarily an evangelistic emphasis in the book of James, because James is writing to the church. And so he is. He he knows his audience, as I have said many times. So he he wrote like 
John wrote in his first epistle, he, he called professed believers. He's calling them out, so to speak. He appealed for them to examine their faith, to make sure that your faith is real. And he was deeply concerned that no one be deceived about the condition of their faith. And so I believe that this examining process is a very important thing. Um, The Apostle Paul moved with this same measure of urgency when he addressed the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians when he said in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Just a few weeks ago, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but a few weeks ago I mentioned something that I want to just revisit briefly. In a message a couple of Sundays ago, I was preaching from Exodus 38 and 8, and I talked about in the law that says he made, this was the fulfillment of the instructions of the law, at least in part, in one portion, he said, and he made the labor of brass and the food of it brass and of the looking glasses of the women assembling which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, the brass, as I talked about in that message, was beaten so fine until it became so pure and so flawless that it became as a looking glass to serve the same purpose that mirrors serve us today. The primary reason, of course, for mirrors is not for decoration, not just to hang on the wall to put something around it, but the primary purpose of a mirror is for us to see ourselves. Therefore, in the instructions of Exodus, when Aaron and his sons came into the tabernacle to wash and prepare themselves for the service of the Lord, as they washed, I kind of exampled that in that message that day, but as they washed, as they bent over the labor, the first thing they would see would be themselves. And so I think in our worship and our praise, in our coming together in every service, I think something that should happen when we come into the presence of the Lord is we should take advantage of the opportunity to examine ourselves. Now let's just be honest. We are more busy sometimes examining others. But he said we need to examine ourselves. And, and, and Paul said, he said, you should examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. And we might easily answer that and say, well, sure, I'm in the faith. But then he says, prove your own self. <laughs> If you are in the faith, then prove you are in the faith. And so this is more than eye service and lip service, but we would examine ourselves. And so we have to really examine what it is that we believe and test the temper of that metal from time to time to see what it is that we believe. When a person is taking some welding classes, a part of those welding classes will mandate that they that they place two pieces of metal together and they will weld their bead and then they're gonna take a hammer and they're gonna beat against that. And the, the beating against that is not to test the top part of that metal or the bottom part of that metal. The, the whole point of everything is to test the weld. Will it hold up under pressure? Will it, will it stand the test of time? As a matter of fact, you can take a bandsaw and cut through that and, and the teachers, the instructors are going to examine not the beauty of the metal on the outside. You can have a beautiful weld on the outside, but they're not interested in beauty. That's not what this is all about, but they're interested in strength. Can you stand the test of time? 
They're going to examine the depth of the penetration of the heat. They're going to examine the width of the well. They're going to examine, because this is not a beauty contest, we're trying to make sure that this ship or whatever it is that we're building can stand and withstand the storm. And so Paul is saying, examine yourselves and prove yourself whether you be in the faith. I was just gonna throw out a few examinations here this morning and uh, if, if any of this poking and prodding hurts you, you need to take a further look. Amen. If any of this poking and prodding, if any of the poking and prodding that I'm about to do in the word of God, if that bothers you, if that bugs you, then you need to, you need to make an appointment with your primary physician. Amen, I'm just warning you today. I'm just warning you today that when a preacher gets up and says you must be born again of the water and of the spirit, if something about that makes you feel a little nauseated in your, I don't know about all that, I don't know, I don't know about all this, you need to make an appointment with your primary physician because this is not just some apostolic point of view, but it is thus saith the Lord, except a man be born again of the water and of the spirit. That means I gotta do more than just believe. That means I gotta do more than just shake a preacher's hand. That means I gotta do more than just write my name on the roll. It means I gotta do more than just pay my taxes and treat my neighbor right. It means that I've gotta meet some qualifications of the word of God. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Push, pride. If that hurts, we need to take a deeper look. There should be something about us. And I'm going to tell you that in the world of easy believism, in the world where we just kind of move the lines, and in the world where we just hold hands and sing kumbaya, amen, I'm going to tell you that that is a, that is counter, a counterculture message. I'm not trying to be mean or unkind today at all, but we have to preach the unequivocal, unrepentant, unapologetic word of God amen we got to come out and be separate saith the Lord we got to be a people that have been called by his name and we come out because of that and if that does something in our spirit to twist us up we need to make an appointment with our primary physician praise God take me back the old song says take me back to that place where I first believed take me back to that place where, where things moved me and stirred me. Take me back to that moment. Take me back to that place in time. Amen. Whenever the preacher started closing his Bible, amen, I'm not saying this for my sake, but hear me, but take me back to that place in time when the preacher started closing his Bible and our spirit, we were saying, don't stop yet. Don't stop yet. Amen. Don't stop preaching. Now take me back to that place in my heart and my spirit. I am not trying to look in the past with rose-colored glasses, but I'm going to tell you today that we need to, to say not so disassociate ourselves with yesterday until we have nothing to rejoice about in this day. I'm thankful for where we have been and where the Lord has brought us. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm thankful for what the Lord has 
done in our past and what he has been in our past, but I'm thankful also as much, just as much for what God is doing today. I want to hold on to the nail-scarred hand of the Lord. I want to bend over that labor, and I want to bend over the word of God, and I want to see myself. I want to bend over, if I may, the preached word of the Lord, and let me examine myself. Let me examine myself. Praise God. There had to be an examination of themselves before they could go on into the service of the Lord or they would die. Am I in the book? Or they would die. This is not, this, this is not child's play here. Lest you die, you need to examine yourself because you're going into the presence of the Lord and it frightens me at how cavalier we can be sometimes about the presence of the Lord. Amen. I want to be righteous and holy and I want to do what he would have me to do. I'm not talking about self-righteousness or holier than thou, but I want to be righteous and pure in his presence. Amen. We find this same concern that is that is exhibited in the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church. We find this even in the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm gonna read a very frightening passage of scripture so you've been warned. Matthew 7 and 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. There's an exception. Not everybody that that knows how to pray and go through the church stuff and and not everybody that knows how to go through the motions. Not, Not everyone is gonna enter into the kingdom of heaven. He said, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven many will say unto me. This is frightening because the word many there is such a broad term. Amen, that means today, I'm being honest with you, that means that many could mean Steve. Amen, don't get offended here, but many could mean Hal. Amen, many, many, many could mean Tim. Many could mean Peggy. Many could mean anyone in this building. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have, name have we cast out devils? And in thy name have we done many wonderful works? And verse 23 just raises the hair on the back of my neck. When, and then he said, will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What a frightening thing to hear those words. We are, I know, more prepared and we are more in line with hearing the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But can you imagine if the silence was broken by the words that said, I never knew you. Depart from me. Please hear me today. I am not preaching a fairy tale. What I am reading to you is going to be said one day. Amen. And there it's going to be said by it's going to be said by the Lord and there will be an audience that is applicable to this message. There will be someone standing there that fits that. It is my responsibility to make sure that I'm not in that crowd. Amen. As a pastor, it's my responsibility to make sure, help try to make sure that you're not in that crowd. And so please don't ever get aggravated and tired and weary of somebody standing up saying, come on, we got to get it right. Come on, we got to do this. I want to preach in love. I absolutely want to preach in love but I must preach the truth amen and so God help me to blanket myself first with truth we must have the truth 
Amen. What's being said is one thing, but who it is being, who is saying it is quite another thing. Amen. The Lord is saying, I never knew you. So echoing the words of Jesus, James is calling for true, genuine saving faith. Now there is a frightening and tragic reality that's found throughout the, the church's history. And that is the fact that from the beginning of time until now, there has always been a mixture of faults among the real. Weed and tear. False and genuine. Always, there always has been a mixture of that. We find that mixture even in the garden. Isaiah, I'm just gonna quote a few scriptures here, read a few quotes from scripture. Isaiah 29, 13 says, people draw near me with their mouth but they have removed their heart far from me. Jeremiah 12 and two says, I am near to their lips, but I am far from their mind. James 1 and 22, he said, those who are hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. I'm kind of a mess this morning. I really am. And I don't know whether if this is a warning or an apology, but I'm just sort of a mess today. This hearers, but not doers. I will attempt to get through here today, but I just feel to share something that happened to me this week. And and I want to really handle this carefully, but I don't want to handle it so carefully that you miss the point. So pray for me that I get this right. But I was in a place of business this week, earlier part of the week, and I met a man who has uh, pastored in our area, not our specific area, but our area. We have been friends for well um, well over probably 25 years, and he's a pastor of another faith, um, uh, quite an elderly man who has been pastoring a long time. And um, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, please help me, Lord, to be careful here. But we were standing talking and just asking him how things were going and he, and he said something to me that kind of shocked me. He said, I want you to know something, Brother Boyd. He said, I'm not tired of preaching, but I am tired of pastor. And he said, I just don't know what to do with people that will not adhere to the word of God. And he said, I'm weary, I'm weary. He said, I love the Lord and I don't, I don't want to stop preaching. But he said, I'm tired, I'm tired. And I stood there, and this is where I'm trying to be so careful. I stood there and I listened to a man who just, their, their belief, and I'm not, nothing condescending here, I'm just trying to be descriptive. Their belief would require way far, far less than what we're preaching. Okay? And so, if a man is preaching to a congregation a message that requires so much less and they won't even come up to the so much less, then God started speaking to me in the aisle of a store something very specific And that is, this is not about do's and don'ts. And this is not about some things we think it's about. This is the spirit of the age. 
and that no matter where you move the line, somebody's going to squabble over the line. I'm going to tell you something. I believe God sent me in that store. You think what you want to think. I believe that God said, I need to tell you something. I need to show you something because I don't get it sometimes whenever you just preach your heart out from the book. Amen. And people just amen and hallelujah and shout and they just, but they leave here and do whatever they want to do. It discourages me at times. I'm just being honest with you. It gets up against me sometimes. But the Lord said, I need you to go in this store because I got somebody I need to him to tell you something. And what he told me was, he confirmed, this is the spirit of the age that we're living in. And so can I tell you today that if we move the line to satisfy something in your spirit, the Lord, the, the, the enemy of your soul is just gonna make you uncomfortable with that line in time. And in time, you're gonna be uncomfortable with the next line. And in time, you're gonna be uncomfortable with the next line. And so I say, dear God of heaven, help us to examine ourselves, not against one another, not against you and I, but I need to examine myself in light of the word of God and let his spirit so touch my soul, let his spirit so impenetrate my heart that I am changed by his word, by his word, by his word. I'm talking today about a man that I respect, so don't you dare think that I'm being unkind or disrespectful of someone here this morning. I was just standing in that aisle and I thought, this is about the line. This is about the word of God. And so no matter where you decide to draw the word, the line with the word, there, my friend, will be your battle. Examine yourself. Oh, the Lord's not fooled by it because the Lord said, they draw near to me with their mouth. Oh, listen at them. Oh, yeah, listen. Oh, listen. But their heart is removed from me. The Lord said, I am near their lips, but I am far from their mind. They have memorized a few scriptures and they memorize the words of the song and they know how to sing on key but I am far from their mind. James, you know, I just kind of, I don't know, throughout this study of James, I've kind of started looking at him different. <laughs> when I first started studying this, I kind of had James in a, in a suit and tie, nice cufflinks, shiny shoes. By the end of this, his tie's loosened, <laughs> his coat's off, his sleeves are rolled up, sweat's dripping off the ends of his ears. He called them hearers, but not doers. So James is calling for purity and sincerity. And so in James 5 and 15, and I'm gonna, with the help of the Lord, attempt at least to pull this back if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let's just stop right there. I mentioned this a moment ago. If any among you wanders from the truth and someone turns them back. So James is, this is a very, very proactive message. This is not a reactive letter. This is a proactive letter. Some of it is reactive, but this is a proactive part of the letter because James is looking down the road. 
He's proactively addressing something that's not only possible, but probable. This idea of restoration is in total agreement with what Paul wrote to the Galatian church in Galatians 6 and 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness, consider in thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Wouldn't you just think that a surgeon is suturing up something with the idea in the back of his mind somewhere, you know, this could be me. This could be me. This could be me. There's no greater, perhaps, display of raw Christianity than what we find right here in this passage, real Christianity. If someone's overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now, I think there should be an intentional uh, but gentle, perhaps, reach for those who have strayed. We don't need to be so gentle that our message has no meaning because we need to be pretty intentional. Your doctor ever been pretty intentional with you? Like, if you keep doing that, you're going to die. You know? <laughs> if you keep doing that, we're not going to be able to turn this around. They're pretty intentional, but they're trying to say it with love, but they are standing in a completely different position because they know the end, because they've already seen the end in too many other people's lives. And so there should be an intentional pull. James 5 and 20 says, Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sin." So anyone who is involved in the restoration of a person that has wandered from the truth should realize that our actions will not only result in the salvation of a soul, but there is also the lending of itself to the forgiveness of sins, that hiding and covering and, and uh, the blotting out, so to speak. And so that knowledge to the church, that knowledge ought to uh, encourage us to actively pursue the restoration of those that have strayed. So the person who has wandered from the truth, I, I think it's very safe to say in the writing of James, I think it's very safe to say that this is someone who once embraced the truth and now they have walked away from the truth but they need to come back to the truth. And so James is talking to the church because if they do not come back, then their soul is going to experience death as a result of a multitude of sins because that's what the Bible says, not just what... Pastor Boyd says and the Hatchman Apostolic Church says, the United Pentecostal Church says, it's what the Bible says. So you could just land, jump out of a plane over a desert somewhere and be the only one standing there and the Bible is still going to say this and we're still going to be held accountable to that. And so this statement deliberately underlines the fact that a person can lose their salvation. James is underlining something that we can have the truth and walk away from the truth and, and be damned for that. Amen. And so we need to never embrace the idea that we've got this thing and it's, we can never walk away or we can never lose this. It's a perpetual gift. I'm gonna tell you something, that we can do things in life that violate our relationships with one another and we can also do things that violate our relationship with the word of God and with God himself. This is serious business. 
Amen. So help us, Lord, to be very, very careful. Therefore, James, the letter of James, concludes with this final exhortation to demonstrate faith in the most practical of ways by taking steps to turn an erring person back to the way of truth. Now, I get it. I get it. It's a fine line. It's a difficult thing. That's why it must be prayerfully handled. But we have a responsibility. The latter portion of verse 20 says, we'll save their soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And so think about what a powerful way to be used of the Lord to be able to rescue a wandering soul. I want you to notice something here that seemingly changes in the letter of James. There's no break in the page. There's nothing to highlight. You know, we're kind of going somewhere else. But I just want to point out something. For the most part, what we've been talking about from the beginning of this study has has sort of all been linked together. Even though much of James, as I've said, is likened to standalone Proverbs, like the book of Proverbs, there has been a, uh, a sort of a common thread running from the beginning until now. But now in verse 19 in our text today, there is a shift in the address and, and, and the demeanor in which James is speaking. Up to now, for the most part, there's been a, a link from one passage to another. There's been a common thought from one passage to another. And uh, it, however, in, in these closing scriptures, James is turning to a new and a concluding thought and he closes with these two verses and he describes a different group. James has been addressing people who are weary and people who are weak and people were, that were persecuted. They needed to be ministered to. Now he shifts his focus to the ministry of restoring struggling believers. He adds this ministry of reconciliation, if you please, because the phrase, if any of you, if any of you do err from the truth. That's a frightening thing as I mentioned a moment ago. If any of you do err from the truth, that means that any of us could err from the truth. Wow. I feel like what's in my heart is this big. And I feel like my throat is about that big. I just feel like I'm having a hard time getting out what is in my spirit. And that's not you. I'm just talking about me. Amen. If any of you do err from the truth, I think about friends that I've had through the years that preach this gospel that closed their Bible one day and said, I'm not going to preach this anymore. My heart is grieved to err from the truth. Or to those who said, you know, we've been wrong about this, we've been wrong about that, and we're gonna let down over here. If we let down here, let down there, then our church will grow. Can I tell you that, can I tell you that consistently, and I'm not just, this is not just looking back a year, or three years, or five years, but looking back over decades, that is a fallacy and a lie of the enemy. Amen. It is a lie. It is a lie. Reaching, reaching, reaching. Sadly, such people that do err from the truth are found in every church. As a matter of fact, from the very beginning. Jesus had his Judas and Paul had his Demas. And such people appear last in James' list because they have the greatest need 
And as we will see, they're in the most severe danger. If any of you do err from the truth indicates that it is likely to happen, that we can all fall prey. And I'm just gonna say it again today. Many countless times through the years I said that if your faith of what you believe has not been challenged to the core, buckle up because it will be. The very, the very tenant foundation fabric of our faith is gonna be pulled and tugged. And if it hasn't been, it will be. That's why we need ourselves. Paul said to Timothy, we need to study to show ourselves approved. Amen, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. We need to know how to rightly divide and connect the word of God. And so many people have just kind of taken the wrapper off the lollipop, stuck it in their mouth and thought, well, that's just for the ministry. That's just for the church. We just need somebody in the pulpit that can prove what they believe. No, you need to be able to study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. And when somebody in your break room, amen, somebody in your office in break time says, why do you folks baptized in Jesus name I'm going to say it again don't reach in your purse or in your wallet and hand them my business card amen you need to reach in and pull out your Bible hallelujah and say well just let me take a few minutes of your time and if we don't have enough time right here today I'll be glad to come to your house and I'll sit down at your dining table and we'll talk about why we believe that you ought to repent of your sins and be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and why that you ought to be immersed buried in him buried with Christ Woo, hallelujah. We'll talk about why you need the infilling of the Holy Ghost and how that when it comes, it will, ex- it will, it will express itself through the speaking of unknown tongues. I'm gonna tell you that every man and woman and boy and girl in this house needs to be able to do that. sweet ladies of our church just a few weeks ago say that somebody asked them, well, uh, you mean to tell you Brother Boyd requires for you to dress like that? And they raise their hand and say, wait just a minute. He doesn't require me to do anything. Amen. This is a decision between me and the God that I'm serving. Amen. One, I appreciated her letting me off the hook. I appreciated her not trying to pin all of this on the pastor. I appreciated her not trying to have the attitude to say, well, you know, if it wasn't for him in the pulpit griping and fussing about all this, I'd be doing whatever I wanted to do. I appreciated somebody that had enough Holy Ghost to say, wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. If you do err from the truth, amen, she began to open her Bible or at least open her mouth and start quoting from the Bible. Amen, this is why we do what we do. This is why I live like I live. This is why I go where I go and I don't go over there and I don't do that. This is why, this is why. Praise God, praise God. I'm talking about some very serious things. I'm gonna use a, 
I'm going to use a serious word here today. When you hear this word, it ought to strike something in your heart. It ought to put a spark in your spirit. When you hear what I'm talking about today, amen, when the word of the Lord talks about error, or when the word of the Lord talks about wonder, amen, each of these words have the same root. Amen, it means to go astray or to apostatize. Now that's a serious word. To apostatize. We're talking about serious things here today. And I don't know if you showed up this morning for just a feel-good sermon and you're solely disappointed, but I'm gonna tell you today that apostatize is a serious matter. It has always been a serious matter, but can I tell you, it hasn't gone away in the 21st century church. Amen, to apostatize, the most often referred to those who strayed from spiritual truth. Hear me today, the danger of straying from spiritual truth is the fact that our conscience can get seared Amen. You know what? The, the, the Bible talks about the Lord will give people up and the Lord will give people over. I'm going way beyond where I thought I was going to go today, but I just feel this in my heart. I've had people tell me that the Lord told me that this was no longer necessary or the Lord said that I could do this or I could do that. I'm going to tell you something. Amen. I'm inclined to believe them. I'm inclined that they're telling the truth because the Lord said if you will just keep walking away, I I'll give you up. I'll give you over and let you believe a lie and be damned. Why? Because you had not a love for the truth. It's a dangerous thing. I'm telling you, I feel the fear of the Holy Ghost in this house. This is a dangerous thing. A dangerous thing. Praise God. Praise God. Woo. Praise God. It is a dangerous thing. Man, you 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 play with your toys. You play you play with the, you play board games. You play a lot of things, but don't play church. My God in heaven, don't play church. Don't play church. Amen. Jesus Jesus taught that the mark of a true disciple is those that continue in the word. Now there's some powerful truth right there continuing in the word. Let's, I know we were here preaching Wednesday night. I understand we were here last Wednesday doing the same thing. Amen, I get that we've been doing this for as a church decades now, I get it. Amen, but I have not fallen out of love with continuing in the word of God. <laughs> continuing in the word of God. Amen, we were at our prayer conference Friday and Saturday and the preaching of the word of the Lord. Some, uh, at least I am very familiar with one of the stories that were shared, but I thought as the Lord began to use Brother Lopez and talking about blind Barnabas and man, I've just brought out some things I never really thought about and considered, considered and I thought my, from an age old story that I heard as a child, that continuing word. <laughs> that continuing word. John 8 and 31 said, Jesus, to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. This not only refers to someone that is errant in theology, but it also refers to someone who is errant in lifestyle. 
Those who reject God's word is also in time going to reject the principles of God and living that his word teaches because, because truth and virtue go hand in hand. Truth and integrity go hand in hand. And some people think, well, if we can just take this out, that no longer matters, but we're going to hold on to this. It never happens. In time, in time, everything kind of washes out the back door. Amen. So the term sinner in Scripture often describes hardened unbelievers, those who openly and defiantly disregard God's law or those whose evil character is apparent to everyone. Genesis 13 and 13 describes the men of Sodom as wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. That's what the Scripture says. The opening verse of, the opening chapter and verses of the book of Psalms, which we love so much, says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits, sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Verse 5, Psalms 1. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Separation. Separation time. Separation time. Sinners defined in Psalms 51 and 13 are those that need to be converted to the Lord. In the New Testament, the term sinner invariably describes those that are outside the kingdom of God. I'm trying to rush. Jesus declared in Matthew 9 and 13, I didn't come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners. Amen. It was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. So the word sinner is not meant at all to be a derogatory word, and I'm not trying to use it in a derogatory fashion today, but it is a descriptive word. In every church, there are those who make shipwreck of their faith by straying away from the truth of God's word. It just happens. We're not here to pick on them. We're here to restore them. Romans 15 and 1, you which are spiritual, Romans 15 and 1 says that, I'm sorry, Romans 15 and 1 says that the, that the strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. So who's the strong? Well, that'd be one segment of this congregation today. Who's the weak? That would be another segment of this congregation. Come back next week and those segments may have vacillated a little bit. So the Lord didn't just say that, that Kenny ought to encourage JT. And we just leave him perpetually the strong man, him perpetually the weak man, because that may not be how it is. Because in time, that may need to be turned around. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Of course, I'm trying to figure out what to keep and what to throw away. <laughs> Amen. For Revelation 12. Thank you. I wasn't, that sounded like I was trying to get you to do that. But <laughs> I didn't mean that. Amen. Romans 21 and 8, but the Bible says, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Of course, the first death is our physical death, but he said this is our second death. But an, over, an often overlooked truth in Scripture is that Jesus spoke far more about hell than he did heaven. And I know it sounds like I'm repeating myself on a lot of things here today. But we are living in an hour where that's reversed. No, Nobody talks about hell because... 
I promise I'm not being sarcastic. I'm being honest. I don't know the last time I met somebody that told me, I know if I don't change, I'm going to hell. Amen. And so I say, God, help me today. God, help me today. The scripture says there's a way that seems right to to men, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Amen. So this this deep threat to the sinner that the sinner faces is a spirit is spiritual death or eternal separation from God for eternity. Hell is real. Hell is real. And unrepentant sinners face an eternal death weighed down with a multitude of sins. And I just feel to point it out again today that sometimes that I think we think about this unpardonable sin of blasphemy. We think that if I just don't blaspheme, if I just don't blaspheme against the Holy Ghost, then I'll be all right. But let me just point out the fallacy of your thought process there. The fallacy of that process is that you can take blasphemy and put it up on a shelf over here all by itself and say, I can just live to the wind as long as I don't touch this vase. Everything will be all right. But you see, unrepentant sin will send us to hell. And if there's a chance in Romans 1, there is. And if there's a chance, according to Thessalonians, there is a chance that God gives us up and gives us over. And we get deceived and our conscience can get seared. And then we don't repent of the wrong because we don't think it's wrong. Now we've got unrepentant sin in our life. Now we've got more than one way to be lost. That's my point. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask you, to, at least our musicians, to come, if you will. I want, to, I want to state something this morning about what James is talking about here. If, a, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know, that's talking about the one that converted him, that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Can I tell you that, that the ultimate responsibility of every Holy Ghost-filled saint is the ministry of reconciliation to reach with everything we have. I understand scriptures that go beyond what I'm talking about today. At some point, you're casting your pearls before the swine. I understand that. But I can tell you that that's way further down the road than we think sometimes. We need to reach as much as we can, as long as we can, as hard as we can. And so in 2 Corinthians 5 and 18, if you'll put that on the screen, 2 Corinthians 5 and 18, I know I've kind of been all over the place today, but and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. Leave that there for just a moment. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself Now that us that God reconciled is the same us that has been given the ministry of reconciliation. So this ministry of reconciliation is not just a special ministry within the church that, you know, they meet every other Tuesday night. (laughs) 
This is us. Every day our feet hit the floor. Us. Us. Converting. Reaching. Let's stand. Matthew 18 and 3 says, Except you be converted and become like little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Strong words. Strong words. Acts 3 and 19, Peter urged his audience to repent and return so that your sins be blotted out. Psalms 32 and 1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. The writer of the 85th Psalm in verse number 2 offered the following words of praise for his forgiving God. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sins. The last thing we ought to find in church is arrogance. The last thing we ought to find in the house of God is holier than thou. People standing way up here looking down their long pointed nose at the faults and the failures of other people. I'm not going to call any names today. I have no intentions of embarrassing anybody today. But can I tell you that beneath these lovely dresses and these beautiful smiles and these suits and ties today, there's scars of failure. It's all over this house. You know, there's a certain chemical that CSI teams can use to spray. Even if there's no sign of blood, it seems like it's all been cleaned. They can spray and it all just illuminates then. If we could have some kind of spray this morning, God forbid, we could just mist this congregation, you would see failure, 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 failure. What I'm trying to do in closing here today is to tell those that do err from the faith that you're in good company. Because to some degree, varying degrees, granted, but to some degree we have all strayed. But somebody with a gentle hand came to us. Intentional, loving, said, man, let's work this out. And we thought, how, how could it be? How could I ever come back to the Lord? You don't know. I'm ashamed. I've, I've done this. I've done that. We don't need to see your list today. You just need to hear me. You just need to hear me. Amen. I have a course that we want to end with today because this is our hope. Amen. Right here. Let's sing it together. Join me now. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace, grace. Here it is. God.
our sins. <laughs> no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done today, can you hear me? That God's grace is greater than that. Well, you don't know, preacher. You don't know where I was last night. You don't know what I did last week. It doesn't matter because grace, grace is greater than that today. And the Holy Ghost just prompted me last night. Amen. That the Holy Ghost just prompted me last night that we ought to end this message today with this song. And I'm asking you today, I didn't know who's going to be here, but the Lord knew who was going to be here. And so I'm telling you today that we ought to respond to the grace of God that is in this house. Grace. <laughs> grace. God's grace. He pardoned us. Grace that... God's grace, grace that is greater than all. Grace, grace, God's grace. That's why we're here this morning. That's why you're in this house today. It's not because of your last name. It's not because of who your daddy was or your granddaddy was. It's not because, <laughs> it's only because of grace. It's only because of grace. God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sins oh grace it's his amazing grace <laughs> sing it sing it grace grace God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sins. <laughs> grace, grace, God's grace, grace. Will pardon and cleanse within grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sins.
you to turn your attention to the screen if you will powerful promises powerful promises he will turn again and he will have compassion on us (laughs) he will subdue our iniquities and will cast all their sin into the depths of the sea. Does it sound like to me a pansy patty cake God? Does it sound like to me a God scratching his head wondering now just what we gonna do with Miss Summer Harden? (laughs) I think I'm serving a God that says I will subdue your iniquities and I will cast your sin into the depths of the sea. I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. And where was all of this born? What was the catalyst for all of this? Was it God flexing his spiritual muscles as I often say? No, no. He said he will turn and have compassion. He will have compassion. And because compassion was the catalyst, he said I'm going to subdue your iniquities and I will cast your sins into the depths of the sea. We're serving a God that can handle our mess ups. We're serving a God that can handle our wrong turns. We're serving a God that gets it. He understands. Oh my God, my God, my God. I don't know what you're gonna do with this service right now. I don't know what we're gonna do with this atmosphere. Sadly, we can't can it. Sadly, we can't preserve it and save it for tomorrow afternoon. Sadly, we can't just freeze this moment in time. But I promise you, if you will seize this moment in time, if you will step through that effectual door of opportunity that has availed itself here today, God's not through. Amen, God's not through in this house. You don't have to leave here like you came. You don't have to go back home with questions in your heart and in your spirit because you're in a building today. We're serving a God, amen, that has pressed in our heart the importance of the ministry of reconciliation. Thank you, Jesus. How are we gonna handle this grace? That's how we're gonna handle it. Grace, grace. Amen, grace, grace. That's how we're gonna lean on God's grace. Hallelujah. Let's entertain his spirit today. My God, we need to press through this. I need some prayer warriors to help me press now. Amen. The enemy of our soul would like to frustrate what God is wanting to do here. The enemy of our soul would like to frustrate what God is wanting to do here. I need somebody to help us pierce this spirit of darkness, this binding spirit of darkness right now. Woo! I'm appealing to some intercessors this morning. I'm appealing to some intercessors this morning. Amen. We're going to save a soul from hell and cover a multitude of sin. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.